jump here real quick. There we go. We're on the air here. All new camera system ready to roll. Thank you, brother. Well, it's good to see everyone here this morning, and uh, it's been a uh, busy week and a busy weekend. Uh, in just a moment, I'll read to you uh, something when the uh, in the regular services, but from Dennis and uh, Kristen, and I'll let you know. Uh, I don't know if they'll be with us today or not, but they uh, have a special request they'd like for us to hear as well. Let's take our Bibles. Let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 6. Now, I realize that this is small print, but to make up for it in your bulletin is the same exact chart. And it's probably a little bit easier to read as well. So if you've got a copy of today's bulletin, you'll be able to see that. There's also fresh notes that are on the back table as well. And so we're going to be looking at what will Antichrist be like. Now, as a springboard for where we're going to be going today, I did everything in my power to try not to use the word Antichrist in my studies. And the reality is, is that whenever I would take a look at the word Antichrist, I've had a lot of people that they uh, argue with me. They say, well, Antichrist is a way. It's a measure. And you know, the thing is, uh, I even heard a message not too long ago in which um, the name Satan or the devil was, instead of it referring to a one particular individual, or sa uh, Satan, if you will, as a, a fallen angel, they wanted to have it as a multiple uh, statement. You know, we have many demons that are out there. I said, yeah, there's many demons, but there's one Satan. There's one fallen Lucifer. And I said, I don't care what you read. And, and a lot of the modern translations are leading people astray by saying, oh, there's many demons that are out there. We're going to get into that a little bit later on. But I want us to begin today by reading chapter 6 of the book of Revelation, the first eight verses, in which we are shown uh, four different horses. And I want you to get the uh, coloration of these horses as well. Now, mind you, I believe this is at the beginning. We're going to be looking at this with the chart. Uh, this is the beginning of the tribulational period. And let's see what we see. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he was forth, and he went forth conquering, and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given unto him that sat on to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hands. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast saying, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and hell followed him, and power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with the sword, or with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and the beast of the earth. Let's pray. Father, again, I want to thank you for the opportunity to stand before the congregation today. I thank you, Lord, for 
not only the, the message that you've laid upon my heart, a better understanding of the things that we see from Scripture, but Lord, that we might be able to declare these truths for anyone who wants to hear. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to tell others of Christ, whether it would be in the confines of people that are comfortable with the message, those that may still not be comfortable with the things of Christ, but show respect. And Lord, the things that we see uh, from churches, uh, you know, each and every place that we go to. Lord, thank you for the conversations that I had with many people last night as uh, we were entertaining the Word of God, even during the class reunion. And Lord, all of these things point to me that there are still some saints upon this earth who want to know the truth, who are seeking the things of God in the right way, and yet, Lord, we are very careful not to be critical of others, but, Lord, of ourselves, that we might be better equipped to spread the word in everywhere that we go. Now, Lord, I thank you for the blessings. I pray that you will guide and that you will lead in the message that will be delivered today. And, Lord, may there be a complete understanding of the things that you give. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Last night I had a wonderful opportunity uh, to visit. Well, first of all, all day yesterday was amazing. I went to Arabia Baptist Church uh, at their Bible conference, and we had a good time uh, at the Bible conference. And thank you for those that were able to go, uh, attend with me. And uh, it was very interesting, to say the least, because the fact is I had never visited that church before, and uh, I didn't know what they would be equipped to handle. But I felt the complete liberty to uh, go ahead and deliver the word. And afterwards, I went home, and I, I had to do some studies uh, that I wanted to complete. And then that last night, I went to the class reunion uh, to enjoy a little bit more of the class reunion. My 50th year, believe it or not. I know it's hard to believe someone this handsome can uh, be 50 years into the graduation pool. But anyway, uh, after 50 years of being in the graduation uh, ceremonies or the anniversary of it, it was one of those things that we all enjoyed together. And uh, I was amazed how many people that I know of that are true believers. Uh, we, w there was also a, uh, there was, uh, Teresa and David uh, Bianco. They, uh, of course, are Garrett's uh, grandparents. They were there last night. Kenny Hurst, who uh, is where Jim Oric was over at Storms Creek, and, and many others. I mean, it's just too numerous for me now. But so many of them came up to me, and one of the responses they said to me was, we love your daily devotions. And I'm glad that they do, because those daily devotions have a, a big impact upon all that we say and, and study. But if I turn the clock back even further to Thursday before uh, the funeral services that we for, uh, you know, for the family, for Jacob as he had passed from this life, one of the things that we had considered, and I woke up like 2 o'clock in the morning, and one thing disturbed me. As I was coming in from, you know, from, uh, if you will, towards the Cannon Park, from Cannon Park towards the flood wall, there was a little gas station right across from Cannon Park, and they had gas at five ninety nine a gallon. And I thought, what in the world? This has got to be a mistake. And I went on down with another little piece, and the price of gas was three sixty five a gallon. And I'm starting to go, why is gas going up? You know, why are we starting to see all of this? And, and I literally allowed that to bother me. And here's the reason that it bothered me so much. I don't think we're ready for calamity. Now, we had the shutdown of COVID, and we know the effects that was there, but imagine if it became so expensive 
that we could not afford to come to church because of the cost of gasoline. And, and for the most part, everyone here travels a pretty good distance to come to church. Now, we have some that are a little closer, but to assemble together, and for those of you that are members of this church, it might cost you 20 or $30 just to come to church one way. Now, how are we going to handle that situation? Not only that, but how many of us would be willing to go to a supermarket and instead of paying a two fifty or whatever it is for a five-pound bag of flour, now be faced with a $15 bag of flour? During World War II, when rationing was there, there were people that they were very careful of how much that they spent. And I, it's interesting, I listened to old-time radio, and they had an advertisement not too long ago about all you ladies that are cooking, collect up your lard, collect up your drippings, things like that. Because one of the products of gunpowder is lard. A lot of people don't know that. And so because there was such a demand, they were asking people to prepare that as well. I bring that to the attention because as I was making my studies, that made a huge impact upon me. Are we seeing right now, and this is the question we have to ask ourselves, are we seeing the entry of the Antichrist, and are we going to see it happen pretty quickly? There's a passage in the scriptures that also teaches us that, you know, if you will, the offspring of the, of the eagle, or of the lion, which uh, England, by the way, uses the lion more than the eagle, but the offspring of the lion is going to step back and say, are you going to do this, Magog? Are you going to do this, Gog? And the reality is, is that we're going to stand by because we're too weak to do anything. And do you realize we're almost there? As a military force, we're almost too weak to defend ourselves. Thank you, our current president. I mean, he's really done a lot. There has been the gas reserves have been depleted such that we can barely keep our airplanes in the air. How many of you all know that? How many of us realize that we have become more dependent upon foreign oil than we are on our own, our own culture? And the reality is, is that these are a sign of the weaknesses that are being, you know, if you will, penetrated into our own society. And so many years ago, and I had the book upstairs, I didn't bring it down with me, there was a cry in the... Uh, you know, the, the nation, the, the, what we call the, the uh, League of Nations before that. Now we have the, uh, the other national that is there, and I don't even look at that anymore. But they said, be there a god or be there a demon, we are looking for someone to lead us. Now this was the cry of the current leadership, world leadership that's in New York City. Whether there is a god or a demon, we're looking for someone to lead us. Our country, our world, is ready for Antichrist. How many of us think about that? Uh, I know that uh, when we take a look at Wolford, he has written many books about the upcoming uh, Armageddon and things like that, and he's wrote uh, many materials, and, and I, I read these things with a grain of salt. But more than anything, there is a preparation, and we as God's people are to be aware of who is getting ready to come on the scene. Now, as I prepared my study, one of the things I tried to do was not use the word Antichrist. Now, I may fell all over the place today as not being able to use the word Antichrist. But there are many other names that are associated that literally causes us to talk about a little bit more. When I was younger, one of the things I looked at was, you know, my own personal experience. 
Now, we all are going to be subject to our own experiences to one fact or another. And I remember that I was not able to defend my eschatology, or could I defend Baptist history. And so, as a young preacher, I thank God that he allowed me to see my weaknesses so that I didn't arbitrarily accept the preaching of the word or, you know, the invitation to become a pastor of some church. I wanted to make sure that I was mature enough and that I was strong enough to handle the things of God. Well, as time permitted, you know, I was glad that my, my pride was swallowed and that I had prepared myself going to seminary and, and, you know, lining myself up with good, strong individuals, such to a point that I now hold to those things very dearly and very carefully. I've had some people say, well, what about your King James? I knew the King James was God's word from the outset. I remember when I first moved to England, and I had the opportunity to lead young people in England. And already we were starting to see a lot more influence with the RSV and other, you know, what I call fake Bibles. And uh, I remember went to one church, and I think they were called Zora Baptist Church. And uh, as I walked in the door, they, they wanted to hand me a Bible. I said, what's this? They said, well, if you don't know what uh, they are, if you don't have an RSV, you're not going to know where the preacher is preaching from. I said, if he's not preaching from this, he's not preaching. And I was tagged as the troublesome American. I don't know why that would happen, but anyway, that's where it was. But as I study these things, I begin to have more confidence about where we are in history. And by the way, the world wants to know. The world wants to know, where are we at? You know, when is Jesus going to come? Here's the best answer we can have. I don't know. Because that is left to the Father. We can see all the signs and we can have all the warnings, but we don't know when the Lord is going to return for us when we call the rapture of the saints. I remember many years ago I worked for a little company called Pillsbury. You probably recognize that. They have a little doughboy. <laughs> anyway, and I'm not that doughboy. But the reality is, is I was in Wilson, Ohio, and I worked for, for Pillsbury, and, I, and the first Gulf War broke out. And this girl was, came to me and she said, what is going to happen? I said, I, I really don't know. I said, but these things could happen. I said, do you realize that it could cause a tailspin of our economy to suddenly happen? She goes, what do you mean? I said, every cruise missile costs about a million dollars to launch. Every cruise missile, all the technology in it, one missile is a million dollars. I said it costs $44 million to launch it, you know, to have an aircraft, and then the cost of fuel and everything else to launch it. I said, I don't know what's going to cost us. And literally, I said, we could lose this war. If God and, and she looked at me and she goes, well, you were wrong. How long have we been in the Gulf region? You know, answer that question. You realize my son was 16 years of old, 16 years of age. He just turned 47. So for 31 years, we have been in the Gulf region trying to sustain a peace that keeps eluding us. Is that not costing us as a country? I bring all this up because you see, we are ready for the coming wicked one. Let's take our Bibles and let's go over, and if you will, hold your place here in the book of Revelation chapter 6 as we get ready to look more. But let's go to the book of Daniel, and we're going to go to chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11. 
And let's go down to verse 21. And we're going to take a look and see what we have there for us today. All right, Daniel 11:21. And in his estate shall stand up a vile person to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom, but he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Now, I read this, you know, very carefully to you all because I want you to see how this individual is going to come in. Do you understand that every person that has been led by Satan always comes in under the sign of peace? We can go back to Julius Caesar. Uh, we could go back to Hitler. We could go back to Charlemagne. We could go back to any one of those leaders. And they come in so peacefully. I'm going to help you all get Minerva. I'm going to help you all to the promised land. I'm going to get you where you need to be. And the fact of the matter is because he comes in under the sign of peace. And in fact, may I point this out to you? Hitler was so successful at his flatteries that he had convinced the world that he was doing the right thing. There was a, uh, the Chancellor of England. He was coming back and he was singing the praises of Adolf Hitler. He said, man, you ought to see Germany, what they've done. They have... Even the Prince of Wales, who is now the king, who later on stepped down from the throne, he also was singing and he was close friends to Adolf Hitler. It's only by the grace of God that someone like Winston Churchill and a stuttering king by the name of George literally stood up against Hitler and what had happened immediately, Hitler tried to destroy England. After he wiped out France, after he wiped out Poland, after he wiped out Czechoslovakia, what did he do? He then had set his sight on England. And that's where we also ended up being alongside with England in that, that coastal point. But may I point this out to you, that again, everywhere that we look, we see that this one that's going to come in is going to come in with a lot of flattery. And I'm telling you what, he's going to be good looking. He is probably going to be the individual that everyone's going to go, just look at him. Isn't he amazing? Look, look, look at his features. And now, we understand that he's going to be Jewish. We understand a lot of things about who he is as an individual. He might even claim to be Messiah. Don't let that surprise you. Because if we go all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 10 and 11, we see that there was another person that was a false messiah in Nimrod, and Semiramis and Tammuz. Once again, all faith. up to the President of the United States and goes, I want you to know I've always been amazed at a person that you are. I'm not. But the right words will be spoken by this man and he'll deceive immediately. He might have access to the King of England and the very words that he has to say might bring in the very flattery that will bring England into it and Russia and China and all these other places until he brings everyone into place and then they said we ought to elevate this person to power. He's a vile person. Look what else it says. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We've been reading this one also. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And let's go all the way down to verse 8. Again, 
He's not referred to as a vile person. He's not referred to as Antichrist. But instead, he's referred to as the wicked one. Look what it says in verse 8. 2 Thessalonians 2.8. And then shall the wicked be revealed. Notice he's called the wicked. Not the wicked one, though we add the word one. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the righteousness of his We know this is going to be his end. But look what else it says in verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. I had a man tell me one time, well, we know that this is just a false preacher. No! By the serpent in the garden. And what did he do? He denied God. He denied that God had created an individual completely. You know, it's interesting that one of the, the speakers that we heard yesterday was talking about you never really understand, you know, the, the light until you experience darkness. I understand that. But do you realize that God never intended for us to know evil, even though that tree was placed there? And now that we know evil, for those of us who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, we appreciate it even more. Now, well, let's go on. But notice it says in verse 9, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, all power underneath, you should have. Lying wonders. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. I love verse 10, because the fact is, now it's almost too late. We want to say it's too late. We know that by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, when preaching occurs, others will come. Others will believe. Others will receive that wonderful testimony of Jesus Christ. As long as the Holy Spirit is upon this earth, there is always that opportunity. But it's almost like now, and, and I want you to think about this. It is almost like when we preach the Word of God, it's going on deaf ears. People don't want to hear about their, the hope that is in Jesus Christ. People are literally pushing back the scriptures. They don't want to know what they And I can only see two things. Number one, of course, we know human nature is against the Lord God. But also, we are to blame a little bit because we have been allowing that for so many generations. It's very unusual to go into a church anymore and have any kind of young people in it. I mean, and that's a sad statement. I mean, we are so excited to have two young people with us today, and of course a couple of them are taking a little bit of vacation trip. And it's well-deserved, don't get me wrong. But do you understand that every time we have the opportunity to preach the Word, it is our desire that others will come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And yet, over their eyes, Jesus Christ. And maybe they don't see the, the, the rational or the, the desire within us to demonstrate that in Christ as well. Maybe so, I'm not sure. The reality is, is that no matter how you look at it, over and again, there is this deceivableness. But I want you to see that he is a vile person, he is a wicked person, but then we are introduced in the Old Testament that he is a rider on horses. Let's go to Zechariah chapter 6. 
And I want you to see this as well. And in Zechariah, we have the full testimony of what's getting ready to happen. And I love it because everything that's in the Old Testament is again mirrored in the New Testament. So when John mentions the rider of the four horses, or you know, four individual horses, we already see that in chapter 6. So if you will, bear with me as we go to chapter 6 of Zechariah, let's go to verse 1. And I turned and, lift, and lifted up mine eyes, and looked, and behold, there came forth four chariots out from between two mountains, and the mountains were mountains of brass. In other words, these are not just regular chariots, these are powerful chariots. These are warlike machines. These are individuals that are going to come in in great power. And the first chariot were red. Why do we see the red and the black first? We're going to get into that. And then the third chariot, white horses. And then the fourth chariot, that which go I want you to think about this for a moment. I, I really enjoyed what one preacher said, and I don't remember what it is, but do you realize that the Lord keeps evil at bay until it serves him right? Now think about that for a moment. When we see the unleashing of evil upon the earth, it's because we become lethargic. It's because we're not doing what the Lord commanded. Case in point. How many of us remember the requirement of Acts chapter 1 where the Lord told the apostles, now go to Jerusalem, but then after you learn the truth that you receive the Holy Spirit, go into Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world, outermost parts of the earth. They didn't do it until the persecution of Saul came upon the scene and the statement is, and then the churches in Judea and Samaria and, and, and Galilee and Judea all were at peace. Why is that? Because when we don't want to follow the Lord, he has a way to make sure we will follow his word. And sometimes that may seem like evil, but God means it for good. Let's go on. So here we have these four spirits, and I want you to keep that in the back of your mind as we go to chapter 6 here in just a moment. And the black horses which are there and go forth into the north country, and the white go forth after them, and the girls will go forward into the south country. Now, the north country we think of as Gog and Magog, but it can actually be a little bit closer. It can be what we now call Iran and Iraq. The south country can be Egypt, in other words, bringing more evil you know, towards that end. And the bay went forth, and the bay went forth, and sought to go that they might walk to and fro through the earth, and said, Get you hence, walk to and fro through the earth. So they walked to and fro through the earth. Then cried he upon me, and spake unto me, saying, Behold, these that go forth uh, toward the north country have quieted my spirit in the north country. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Take of them of the captivity of, of Heldiah, of Tobiah, of Jediah, which are from Babylon, and thou shalt, and thou the same day go into the house of Josiah, the son of Zephaniah. Now, all of these are going to be the requirements that we're going to be seeing as the Jews are going to have their attention turned back to them. But the reality is, is that 
we see the same spirit upon the same color horses that are going to be brought into place. Now with all that in mind, let's go back to the book of Revelation chapter 6. And this is what we're going to set upon today. This brings us into this chart. Oh, thank you for expanding that. I hope that everybody can read this. If you can't read it, all right, I'm sorry. That's why I made copies of it so that you can see it as well, okay? Now, notice there's so much that's going on in the book of Revelation chapter 6. And when many people, they say, well, when is this going to happen? When is that going to happen? We have to be ready to give a good answer. Now, what we're waiting for right now, I believe, is this time slot right here. We're waiting for the rapture of the saints. Now, I want to be careful about the term rapture of the church. A lot of times people say, well, the rapture of the church. Well, the church that we know of that the Lord established was the church that he built while he was upon this earth. And he allowed the expansion of that church to go on to churches to allow it to continue on into the world. Not everyone that calls themselves a body of Christ is actually a body of Christ. They are a body of believers, but they may not be the body of Christ. But that being said, we're waiting for the rapture of the saints. After the rapture of the saints, there are two things that occur. And I want to make sure that we understand this. The first thing that was stated, and I remember that many years ago I had a person that was critical of my teachings. And he said, do you mean to tell me there's going to be a period of time you mean to tell me we're not going to have anyone that's going to preach the gospel? I said, no, there's going to be someone that's going to preach the gospel. Because here's the thing. When the saints go up, the two witnesses come down. Now, let's see if that's not true. Go with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 11. And I want you to see what it says in Revelation chapter 11. There's a lot of people that they miss this part, and, and again, Revelation is giving us a great example of things that are about to happen. Let's go to verse 1. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel uh, stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple leave out, and the measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. Again, two and a half or three and a half years. And I will give power unto my two witnesses. There's the verse I want you to see. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. That means that when we are taken up off the earth, immediately there's going to be a responsibility for these two witnesses to come down. But if you think that's the end of the story, you're, you're, you're greatly mistaken. Let's go back to chapter uh, 6, if you will, or chapter 7, excuse me. And when we go to chapter 7, we also see that when these two witnesses come down, they have a special message, and there is an immediate response to it. Let's go to verse... Um, well, let's go to verse 1. And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, and the wind that should not blow on the earth, nor the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God, 
Their seal is in the forehead. Get this. Where does the Antichrist want to put his seal? Also on the forehead. He wants to mimic God. Do you get that picture? He's doing everything in his power to mimic God. Now watch this. And I heard the number of them that were sealed, and there were sealed 144,000 of all This is an amazing fact that most people miss out on. And it's so hard. I mean, there's so many things that are going to happen. When we're taken up off this earth, there's a lot of things that are going to happen. Number one, we're going to see the two witnesses come down. That's why I've got the arrow going down. Now, I'm sorry, it's, it's probably, as far as time frames go, it's going to be incorrect. But immediately after the saints are taken up off the earth, we're going to see that these two witnesses, the first thing, there's a message that were 144,000, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, are now called to believe. Now, the first thing that normally comes up is, well, who are these two witnesses? And what power are they given? Well, understand this, is that there's one verse I want you to see that makes me understand the wholeness of it. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. And let's go to chapter 9, and I'm sure you already know this verse. But let's go to Hebrews chapter 9, and let's go to verse 27. And it says, As it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. Every man that has ever been born, born upon this earth has to die. Now, once again, this goes all the way back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 where it says we will not all die, being that we're all going to be buried into the ground, but we will all be changed. In other words, there is a change that has to occur. We're not going to go up. I'm going to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the promise of Scripture. I'm going to have a glorified body. I'm going to have a my spirit that is already redeemed shall no longer have to deal with the things of the flesh. I shall be one complete individual, and I shall ascend into heaven with Christ at the rapture. Now, once again, there's a lot of people that they may turn around and say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, congratulations, neither is dinosaur. But the word dragon is, neither is missionary, but evangelist is. The thing is, just because someone does not see and I've had so many Christians that they suddenly are, are being pushed backwards because of missing word in modern vernacular. But I can tell you this, even the early Baptists, all the way back to the Montanist, they believe in the coming of the Lord and that we will all be changed in, in the pre-trib rapture. They didn't call it the rapture, they called it something else, and I don't know what it was. But the reality is, I want you to look at this. So we know that there's an appointment unto die, to, for us to die. Let's go to the book of Genesis, chapter 5. And in Genesis chapter 5, we see the first of these two individuals that have not died. And I've had a lot of people that they will accept this for one reason or another. But if I go to Genesis chapter 5, and let's see, I'm going to go down to verse 22, I think it is. Let's see if that's it. Yes. I'll look at verse 21. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years, and he begat sons and daughters. 
And all the days of Enoch were 360 and 5 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not. In other words, he did not die, for God took him. So that's the first one. Now, I've had a lot of people that they argue over who might be the second one. Well, I want you to see my reasons for believing it's this one. Let's go to 2 Kings. And in the book of 2 Kings, we're going to go to chapter 2. 2 Kings, and let's go to chapter 2. My pages are sticking. There we go. And if you will, we're going to see... Well, let's go to verse 9. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I am taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both from asunder, and Elisha went up by a whirlwind into heaven. The second man that did not die was Elijah. Now, if you go back and study, Elisha really outstripped Elijah in all the miracles. Do you realize that when Elisha made this request that he would do double what Elisha did, he did. Where Elijah raised one individual to life, Elisha did two. I mean, it's really an it's an amazing thing that you can see if you go back and study it. So when these two witnesses come down, and I believe Enoch is one of them, and if you don't believe me, go read the book of Jude, and you can see the message that he has to deliver. You're going to see that is there in the detail as well. But we're also going to see, right at this beginning, the two witnesses come down and the calling of the 144,000. All right. Well, our time is now quickly slipping away. We want to make sure we have time to reflect upon the things that are there. By the way, why three and a half years? And I, I put this in the notes, and I want you to get this. 1,203 score days is 1,260. We think of the year as 365 days, which means there should be more days. But remember, this is according to the Jewish calendar, which a year is 360 days, not 365. And that's why it's exactly 3.5 years. All right. Lord, again, I want to thank you for your blessings. Now help us as we go into our next service. Guide and bless now, for it's in Christ we pray. Amen. We're dismissed.